0: The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network.
1: Hi everyone, Kimberly Folker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Chat with your host, Barry Carellis. Before we get started with today's episode, I'd like to take a moment and share a word from our sponsor. Body Wrappers Angela Luzio is happy to be the proud sponsor of the Premiere Dance Network. Body Wrappers Angela Luzio is known for its fine total stretch tights and Angela Luzio shoes. Tyler Peck, principal dancer with the New York City Ballet, is its spokesperson and designer of Tyler Peck designs for Premiere. It takes a dancer who wears a leotard all day to know what is best in a leotard. So Tyler's beautiful original leotard designs fit perfectly, are ideal for class, rehearsal, or performance, and move well with the body won't ride up in the back. Body Wrappers makes additional apparel for all types of dance that includes ballet, jazz, modern, lyrical, hip-hop, tap, team, liturgical, performance wear for competition and recital, as well as Angela Luzio shoes. You may view all the products at www.bodywrappers.com or to purchase Tyler Peck designs by Body Wrappers, go to dancewearcorner.com or your favorite online dance apparel retailer for all their products.
0: Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Carollis, and you are listening to Pa to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I am happy to share my 15 plus years of experience with you Whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into a fascinating art form. So, put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Top of the weekend to you all. I hope your past few weeks have been grand. Thank you for tuning in to yet another episode of Chat Talking Dance. The past few weeks have been pretty good for me. I premiered a new work at uh, the Manhattan Movement Arts Center this past Sunday with the Chamber Ballet and music company, Cello Point, which went very well. I created a piece that could be considered either stressful or exciting, depending on how the dancers view it. The work is titled Undecidedly Solo, uh, which is uh, a pas de trois or trio, um, if you don't do dance speak, um, and it involves a bunch of group dancing and three solos. But there is a twist. The twist is that uh I mean, this is what makes it challenging for the dancers the cellist who is uh, performing on stage, it's a Kodai piece, it's a cellist and a a violinist. The cellist chooses who gets to perform the solos on stage during the first two minutes of the piece. And immediately after he chooses um, or she, but it was he in the show, uh, the first dancer immediately begins their solo and the other is Soda Shah off stage. All the dancers learned every solo, so they didn't know which one they would do, and it was fun to see how how that turned out. I was so impressed with my dancers and proud of how well they handled doing this with a live audience watching. I know that I would (laughs) have, my heart would have skipped a few beats while I was waiting to figure out if I was dancing right then, right there, or if I would do uh, a different solo later in the, the piece. Other than the show this past weekend, I have a ton of new news on the teaching front. First off, I'd start another eight-week Absolute Beginner Workshop on the 8th of April at Broadway Dance Center at 6 p.m. That's on Sundays. Um, so yeah, eight weeks, Sundays, April through May. If you're interested in learning ballet from scratch and are over 18 years old, you can sign up on their website at broadbydancecenter.com or by giving them a call. Um, In these workshops, I've said this before, um, but just a little quick rehash, Uh, I I teach from the very beginning, from the ground up, you learn the positions of the legs, the positions of the arms, and what the steps are called and how to execute them. And beyond that, we work on flexibility and fitness, and I also offer a lot of trivia so that you start to learn about how the ballet world works. Because if you're doing ballet, why not know about ballet? (laughs) Beyond all of this, uh, my other classes have been extended through September, so I'll be continuing my Tuesday beginner ballet classes at 10.30 a.m., my Thursday intermediate ballet classes at 4.30 p.m., and my Friday advanced beginner ballet classes at 6 p.m., and that will go throughout the entire summer. But in even more exciting news, I can now announce that I've also been given three more new classes at Broadway Dance Center to offer New York City Dancers. (laughs) or any of those dancers who are traveling through our incredible city this summer. On Fridays, I'll be teaching a basic ballet class, immediately following my advanced beginner ballet classes at 7.30 p.m. Then on Saturdays, I will be teaching a morning 10.30 a.m. intermediate advanced level ballet class that is immediately followed up by a noon intermediate contemporary class. Yay! I now have my first official contemporary class, a regular contemporary class at Broadway Dance Center in in New York City. And I am excited to regularly share my knowledge about both ballet and now contemporary styles of movement. So I hope to see some of you guys in class. And as you know, please come up to me and let me know that you're a podcast listener. It always makes me happy to meet you guys. Alrighty, that is a lot of news to take in on the teaching front. So let me give you one more second to digest was that enough? Okay. So this week's episode topic came to me while I was taking Nancy Bilsky's morning class at Steps on Broadway uh, uh, just a short while ago. And for those of you that listen regularly, I call Steps the cheers of the dance world, you know, where everybody knows your name. Well, I was in class with many dancers, as always, uh, that I know or have known in the past. And there was a principal dancer uh, from New York City Ballet who was taking his morning warmup uh, that I've interacted with in the past at social events, um, but they don't usually take Nancy's class. So it's been a while since I've seen them. They weren't near me at bar, but when it came to center, I suddenly became very, very awkward. <laughs> we passed by the first time after combination and center and I smiled, but they didn't smile back at me. I mean, they, they, I thought that they looked at me, but maybe they didn't. But anyway, so my brain immediately went through this process. Do they remember me? Maybe they were so focused that they didn't see me. Maybe they think they're better than me because of their status in the field and don't really want to talk to anybody unless they are what they deem to be of their caliber. Maybe, <laughs> this is a lot of maybes, maybe they really just want to take class without any interruption, so they're ignoring me. And then I started the adagio and refocused into class. <laughs> Following that mental belt of anxiety, and if you don't know my anxiety, listen to my last episode of, Pot of Chat. I talk about that on there. Um, I, I just tried to play it cool and keep my eyes down every time that we, uh, we walked by one another. Well, we finally got to Grand Allegro, or big jumps, if if you are new to dance. Uh, and we, we This always happens at the end of class, and I chose to exit a bit early because my back has just been a bit sore lately. And as I tried to quietly slither out of class, <laughs> I walked by this dancer and tried to avoid eye contact because I didn't want to know if I was truly being ignored. <laughs> Suddenly, I felt a tap on my shoulder and this dancer smiles at me, throws out a hand to shake, gives me a hug, and then asks me how I'm doing, what, I'm, what is going on with me. So <laughs> there was my answer. Either he didn't see me or he was too focused to take a moment and say hi. This is an all too common thing in the dance world. Ballet dancers being, you know, too cool for school, or at least that is the perception inside and outside of the dance world. So is it true? Are we an elitist, snobby bunch that refuses to talk down down our professional caste system? Um, I, this has been a, a conversation that's I've been talking about a lot lately. So I, I'd like to explore the idea. Let's explore this with you. All right. I think that this is a really amusing conversation to have because in the story I just shared, while I felt that I was being ignored, <laughs> I was actually the one doing the ignoring. <laughs> I am naturally a networker and to be honest, I think I'm really nice and approachable. At least I try to be, but I am part of the culture of our ballet world and I am definitely conditioned by the experiences that I've had and do have as part of this unique community. The ballet world is just, it's a really funny place. To get to as high a level as many of us do at such a young age, we have to give up normal socializing experiences that the rest of the world gets to experience, or at least, in our American culture and most European cultures. Many of us leave our academic schools early to attend ballet schools. Many of us forego social outings, dances, and recreational events as teenagers to practice our pirouettes and grand jetés. This must have something to do with it. I I, I can't imagine it not. Beyond this, as a part of our ballet culture, we are socialized to act a certain way by authoritative figures in the dance world, whether artistic directors, ballet masters, principal dancers, or peers of ours that are, have more seniority in the organizations that we work in. The only thing here is all the people above us were socialized the exact same way, and most of us received the social socialization as children in our mid to late teens. So you have these Older retired dancers, but their social their socialization to be an adult actually happened in their teens. But it's an adult in the dance world versus an adult in the the regular world. It's it's complicated, but this surely reinforces uh, some of this odd behavior. Now, taking this conversation in a bit of a more reality-based reasoning for ballet dancers, often acting aloof or appearing to be distant in a way that makes people feel like they think that they're above them, is the fact that a professional dancer is living culture in a city. Like, they are culture, but they're alive. And the most established of our kind are public figures with a fan base and a following. Now, granted, I, I have this thing now where, like, There are people that are dance famous, um, but a majority of even the dance famous people um, are not famous famous. That's like left for like Misty Copeland and uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov, but um, I'm talking about mostly dance famous people. When you are in this position of being a public figure, sometimes you receive attention from people uh, when you're least expecting it at the worst time and all of the above. From dancers who look up to these professionals, perhaps they don't want to talk to remain focused in class if they're in class with these dancers or if it's like a pre-professional student. So they avoid eye contact in hopes that a conversation won't start so they can actually focus on their craft. Something else I have experienced, especially at places like Steps on Broadway, is dancers who knew each other at one point in life, whether training as a kid, uh, meeting at a social event at a festival or on tour, or at a summer program, a gig, or dancing with a company for only a year or so, like when I danced with Houston Ballet at 19 for one year. Dancers are afraid to assume that another dancer remembers them. because imagine the hit to one's ego if they were not to be remembered with this one i always feel like dancers are like dogs meeting for the first time they kind of stare one another down sniff each other's butts see how the other one reacts uh and then choose whether they're going to be friendly bark at the other one or just passively move on <laughs> kind of a weird comparison but i don't know worked in my head um, another reason I, I experienced uh, happened once on a bus in Seattle, the reason that dancers can be cold or aloof or distant. Uh, we were about 30 shows into Nutcracker, um, and I was exhausted riding a bus home between shows on a chilly, rainy, dark winter afternoon. That pretty much sums up Seattle for you 10 months out of the year. <laughs> All I wanted to do was go home and nap between shows, but somebody caught my eye on the bus and smiled. I immediately saw their playbill in their hand, and I also noted at that moment that I had seen them uh, taking open class at Pacific Northwest Ballet, and I kind of shut down. I offered a curt smile without really making eye contact and closed my eyes for the rest of the bus ride, hoping that they wouldn't (laughs) tap me or start talking to me or try to engage me in any way. I was exhausted, (laughs) and I I just needed some time for myself, because Nutcracker is a killer, and... You're always on, and I did not want to be on (laughs) in that moment at all. Beyond this, I also acted as a liaison for five years for PNB's Young Patrons Group, educating young audience members about our art form and helping dancers and potential future donors mix together. And I can't tell you how many situations I had during those five years where I had to help a dancer remove themselves from a conversation where the patron didn't take the social cues that the conversation was going on too long, or even at times it became inappropriate because, like I said, you're a public figure, you put yourself on stage, sometimes you're not wearing a lot of clothes, sometimes people's intentions of going to these types of events is not what you think they should, they would be, um, and, and that would happen. So with all of this in mind, it gives me a bit more pers- perspective into my own personal and my peers' projection of uh, an icy persona. There are two other reasons that I feel ballet dancers can appear to be distant, snobby, or aloof, and it comes with the territory. When it comes to casting and criticism of your work in the studio, a dancer needs to keep their cool in their professional environments. When casting goes up, there's usually a group of dancers standing around that simple piece of paper with ink on it. But to those dancers surrounding that simple, simple piece of paper, that casting can mean great or awful things uh, for them in their career. Out of respect for those around one another, dancers tend to stifle excitement over an opportunity that they're getting, or to squelch is that a word? I'm using it. <laughs> to squelch disappointment to avoid tears or embarrassment in front of their colleagues. For this reason, I assume dancers tend to appear unexcited at times when others Uh, outside of the ballet world would show their excitement (laughs) or they may appear to be unemotional when bad things happen around them because they're, they're trained not to, uh, to let that be seen. I mean, dancers, our bodies are our art form. And so we work on our physicality, but it's also artistic. So there's also learning how to use your emotion and infuse it into your, your face and your arms and your legs and all that. Um, So it makes sense that dancers are very, very aware of what what their emotions are are projecting. It's really conditioning at its best. Additionally, while egos run rampant in the ballet world, we are taught (laughs) by example of our art forms remain silent like we are on stage people generally know when there is an ego in the room, but there is very little direct open egotism happening. Usually it happens in like passive conversations where maybe somebody mentions that they felt they deserved something or this or that. Um, but there's most ballet companies are ranked. And so there's already ingrained hierarchy within an organization. Um, and then it just sort of builds from there. I remember uh, when I first joined Pacific Northwest Ballet, uh, Kent Stowell and Francie Russell were in charge of the company. There was definitely like a, a hierarchy and the respect that was expected. Even if you were a 20 year old principal, they were considered the kings and queens of the company. Probably like, the soloists were the lords and ladies, the court de ballet. We were something below that and the students were like the serfs. Um, <laughs> so that hierarchy definitely must have something to do with that egotism. Um, it's really an interesting dichotomy, and I'm still trying to understand it. Um, but you know, preparing to my notes for this podcast, it, it's been interesting. It's made it a little bit clearer to me. One of the most public platforms where I've seen the coolness of a ballet dancer be discussed publicly has been on "Say so You Think You Can Dance." Every once in a while, you have a ballet dancer that makes it to the final television rounds of this America's favorite dancer competition. And inevitably, these dancers get a talking to from the judges or from their mentors, coaches, or choreographers that they are so great in performance. But the second that they, are on, that they are, uh, aren't on stage, they stop showing their personalities. I remember the first time this happened, it was in, I think it was in season three, um, with Danny Tidwell. Danny Tidwell was an American ballet theater dancer that, uh, ended up going to, I think, Norwegian National Ballet, then ended up on stage thinking dance and then Broadway. Um, he was extremely talented and his, his dance career ended way too, too soon, but he had a big shining moment on season three think he got second place, um, but they kept on telling him, like, why aren't you showing any personality? Um, and then it actually most recently happened this past season with Lex Ishimoto, who uh, his background, even though he's only like, what, 18 or 19 years old, he played young Billy Elliot on Broadway, which is a ballet role. And then I know that he's competed uh, in the Youth America Grand Prix competition. I think he placed at one point. So he, his background is ballet with a lot of other fantastic things on top of that. Um, they, they kept They criticized his personality a lot. this this past season. In fact, uh, a colleague of mine uh, at Broadway Dance Center was recently telling me about a friend in the professional dance world who got a ticket to the academy for So You Think You Can Dance. Um, (laughs) This tells you how reality TV works. When they walked out of the the theater to greet the cameras and tell the nation that they got a ticket to Vegas, um, a camera crew stopped them I asked them to go back in the theater, but before they went back in the theater, they said, and when you come out for the next take, can you be maybe about 10 times more excited? <laughs> As I explore this idea of ballet dancers appearing snobby or icy in personality, it becomes more clear that it is more what our culture is ingrained in us than the individuals that are unfriendly or cold or think that they're better or higher than others. I started thinking about about podcasting about this topic a few weeks ago, uh, and it was really (laughs) this experience at Steps that pushed me to talk about it. And uh, I feel that I've done a lot of thinking about it before I opened my mouth and pressed record to get this episode going. It's funny because even I myself, who, as I said, I consider very friendly and approachable, have had moments where I fall into the culture of acting too cool for people in and out of the ballet world. But what I found like in the situation with the principal at Steps, I was more in my head about what was happening. And because of that, I actually became the one in the room ignoring somebody. I became exactly what I was, essentially I was projecting what I thought that I was experiencing. We all do it, and we all suffer from it. So, if you're listening to this here and now, and you agree with a lot of what I said, I challenge you to try to resist our natural temptation to do the things that we do. Awareness is the first step, and I, I think that one thing that's been really good with, like with social media and whatnot, is that people outside of our art form they uh, they can see like on Instagram stories and. Uh, photos and videos, um, they can see that we are just normal people like them um, with some awkward social issues sometimes. <laughs> but I think that that sort of breaks down a little bit of that barrier. And I think that uh, if we all just try to be a little bit more friendly and open, and when somebody does compliment you, say thank you, don't feel like you have to be like, quiet and humble about it. Or if somebody asks you a question, don't think that they're uneducated and and stupid, like actually listen to what they're saying and offer, offer a bit of education. Um, it's the only way that we can keep our art from going into build audiences and grow and all that jazz. All right, so with that, I'm happy to bring today's podcast to a close. If you have any thoughts on the topic, have any experiences you'd like to share relating to it, or completely disagree with my assessment of ballet dancers appearing cold and snobby at times, please feel free to reach out to me via my contact page on my website or on Facebook. I will share the information immediately following this comment (laughs) as I prep to give my outro. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycrollis.com. Again, that's www.b-a-r-r-y-k-e-r-o-l-l-i-s.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book masterclasses in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcast on the Premier Dance Network. New hosts from your favorite dance companies are being added monthly. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B Corliss, or on Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to subscribe to my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer, which is currently archived, where I spent five years talking about working as a freelance artist. I also now have Dancing Off Stage. You can find that at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And in that platform, I talk about the post performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel and you can find that by searching B Corollis on YouTube. And when you click on that, you will find videos of my choreography on there. If you want to check that out. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from today to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.